You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Celtics Reddit podcast presented by CelticsLife.com. My name is Ben Vallis, or as a go by on Reddit, Brutal Gash. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. We've got another Celtics fan therapy session for you today. Normally, we do this when we're eliminated from the Eastern Conference Finals every single year, but we thought, given the circumstances, no Celtics games to watch, a best player stricken with COVID, etc., this might be what the people need. What is fan therapy? It's simple. We talk about all the great things going on for the Celtics and laugh at all the terrible things going on for all the other teams. Full squad today, so we're going to breeze through these intros real quick. Jackson, aka Rickman Lives. Welcome back, sir. How are you? Well, thank you. Are we allowed to have this many people in a meeting? The social distancing norms we have to follow? <laughs> we are scattered around the globe, so I think it's it's okay. And over there in beautiful New Zealand, we've got Joe, aka Nose Groats McFly. Happy New Year, Joe. Nice to see you. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice to be able to say the same, but uh, my Zoom's <laughs> not complying, so I can't say that I can see you. But no, it's been a... Uh, look, guys, what, what we've lacked in uh, Celtics basketball, we've certainly uh, made up for in the cricket. And uh, so we're enjoying that. (laughs) Glad we're not touching on that today. Uh, It's quite embarrassing as an Aussie. Um, But look, let's move overseas to the States there. We've got the man, the myth, the legend, Larbird33. How's things, buddy? You know, right now, I was saying to you guys earlier, so our listeners know, you might lose me at some point because it's like the sign of the apocalypse right now in Seattle. We got lots of wind and rain. My, My power's flickering. I don't know what's going on. The world doesn't want us to do this podcast, but we'll see what happens. Well, we're going to push through. <laughs> That's why we've got four of us. One of us can drop off, join back a little bit later. It's uh, it's all good. Um, but we've got lots to get to today. Let's start with some feel-good news items to warm the soul. Number one, Jason Tatum is the Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Joe, I, I want to go to you here, actually, because we, we haven't seen you since Tatum started playing kind of out of his mind here. Um, yeah, Joe, where have you been, your expectations? Joe? I haven't heard from you in a long time. Where you been? <laughs> oh, man, we just went to the beach, eh? Um... They take New Year's really seriously over there in <laughs> yeah. New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, New Zealand's been pretty funny, eh? Like, relative to the rest of the world. Everything's very normal. We've got our music festivals all going. And, um, yeah, so I just I just went to beautiful Waihee Beach. Um, little little bit of little side note. There's actually a sh- fatal shark attack oh. uh, at the beach that I go to. Yeah. Um, which is a bit of a bummer. Um but, you know, um, at least it was warm enough, and uh, at least it was warm enough, at least we're at, at the beach, I suppose. 
It's a silver lining. Yeah, yikes. <laughs> so we're starting with this feel-good news item. We've gone straight into New Zealand <laughs> is partying up. while everyone else is in lockdown and someone died by shark attack today. We're off to a great start. I'm uh, also, you know, um, sorry to hear that, but... Um, I don't know how to segue this back into my question, but I'm going to do it anyway. Well, no, I think uh, we can do it. Your expectations of, of Jason Tatum, have they changed at all based on what you've seen from him so far this season in terms of has that looked any different to you based on what we've seen prior to this season? I think, like, I mean, I'd be interested in your guys' thoughts on this. I, I think that we have an idea of the range that Tatum might exist within and, I, you know, as, as the peak version of him. Um and it's sort of somewhere from like I don't know Gordon Hayward to maybe it's not I think Kevin Durant is sort of out of range as a top limit personally I know Larry Bird's or I know La Bird's gonna gonna disagree on that I read your, read your post um, uh, I just personally don't don't see it like that but it's you know we're getting an idea of what he he's coming into shape so. I wouldn't say that the range of my expectations for him has changed. It's more that it's becoming clearer that he's towards the upper end. Does that make sense of my expectations? Yeah, it makes sense. So, so La Bird, you have used the, the Kevin Durant comparison before. Have you have you got a retort there at all? No, I just think that he's he's been on that path for a while now. I mean, if you look at him statistically, I don't think he'll... I mean, Durant's a little bit taller, unless we want to believe the Tatum's grown to 6'10 stuff. But uh, as far as his skill set, <laughs> it's it's very similar. And, you know, his defensive impact, all that stuff that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I mean, this... I mean, he's, he's on that path. You look at what Durant did at age 22, and look what uh, Tatum's doing so far through 10 games pre-COVID. Uh, he's, he's on that path, so hopefully... Yeah. Hopefully he wasn't, you know. Hopefully this uh, COVID issue doesn't cause any long-term lingering health effects for him. It sucks because, like, anytime you get some in a rhythm, it seems like something happens that sets us back. You know, whether it's you know a pandemic shutdown or right now with the COVID. But you know, he's uh, he's playing at an All NBA level again, and I mean, that's how much more can you expect of a 22 year old, right? Yeah, I mean, we we're fortunate so far that it seems like all NBA players who have had COVID have recovered. And I know that there's, a, there's a, the question of long-term issues and, and, and things like that, but so far, so good as far as... I mean, you could you could take Marcus Smart's uh, questionable playmaking into question there, but for the most part, physically, it, it seems like um, COVID hasn't had that much of an adverse effect on NBA players. Uh, Reddit user Fear of a Flat Planet writes, get used to seeing this, Tatum being the Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Jackson, you're always rocking up to these podcasts in a Tatum jersey. For the Tatum stands out there, like, how are you feeling right now? Like, this must be must feel pretty good. You know what I thought was curious? Um, and I'll get to your question in a second. But like, when I found out he had COVID, I I wasn't particularly worried. I was like, oh, that sucks. And you know, I hope he's you know isolates and and gets over it and everything like that. But like, if it was like, oh, Tatum has like broken the third metatarsal in his left foot, I'd be like, oh shit, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it would be like proper like fear and oh no, this can't be happening with COVID. I know we all take COVID seriously. It's no joke. It kills a lot of people. But when he got it, I was just like, ah. It'll be right. It'll be, it'll be back. I mean, I, I really hope it's not one of... I mean, because I watch a lot of soccer. And there's a lot of players who have gotten it, come back, and they are just, like, shells of the players they were for, wow, like, really? on end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
But I guess with the NBA, because there's so many games and, you know, you have limited minutes and things like that, there's probably, it, it probably doesn't show up as much if you're off your game, um, at least over a longer period of time. That could be bullshit. I don't know. But, but yeah, I just thought it was curious. <laughs> I want to found out. Um, and I'd be interested to see what like your reaction was. Were you particularly worried or were you just like, oh, oh that sucks. I guess he'll, I guess he'll be back soon. Yeah, kind of just shrugged it off a little bit. I wasn't, you know, when I first read the news, I don't know, you're kind of going into the season to sort of expect nearly everybody to get COVID. So it's kind of a shame that it was our absolutely our best player who was the one to, to get it. I know that Timeline had it as well. Um, but I don't know, like we haven't seen, like I said, that much from these high caliber young athletes that should that we should feel worried for. You know, like, I don't know, Liber, Joe, do you feel differently at all? No, nah, honestly, I, I, I don't. I think... Jackson's kind of hitting on uh, something there, which is, I guess the, I guess the the fear with which we hold COVID. It's not nothing, right? It's like, but it's like, it's somewhere to me, honestly, it's somewhere a little bit more scary than like when I get in the car. There's a risk that I have a car accident, right? And at some point in my life, I'm probably going to have one, but it doesn't really worry me, you know. And if I do have an accident, it's you know it's probably not going to be fatal, you know? So um, it's it's sort of, it, it doesn't, it's not one of those things that sort of feels like a massively um, potent risk, you know? It's 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 more potent than, it's a real weird disease because it's more potent than the, like, obviously it's potent enough to kill you, but it's not potent enough that it seems to get everyone. It seems to be insufficiently potent to, like, add you know, to, to create massive adverse effects in most young, healthy people for a long time. So it's it's hard to put it in its proper place. So yeah. that's why I'm not I'm not too worried about it, and that affects a lot of my attitude about how the NBA goes about it. Like like you said, Ben, I kind of expect that everyone's going to get it through the course of the season. Mm-hmm. It's either that or they get vaccinated, you know. Should they have like a COVID party with the Celtics, like with chickenpox? <laughs> Everyone just gets in the room together, gets it from Tatum. We all lay low for two weeks. We come back, and then we're more or less bulletproof. That's how COVID Why not? works, right? We'll just keep climbing up the standings. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> and if they, if they, if, if the rest of the league, if they, the league takes the approach with the Sixers, we're like, nah, stiff shit. You got to play. Um, then we can just you, we just wipe the floor with all these like teams' backup players. And yeah, there's the number one seed. There's a home playoff. You beauty. Um, but yeah, sorry. I'll go back to your question, Ben. It's great. To to see Tatum playing sort of more or less picking up the where he left off there's always this fear that I think we touched on it when we were going a bit d- dodgily if the fuck for lack of a better word um to start the season like we got smacked around by the Nets and then we lost to um uh the Pacers and the Pistons so I thought eh, you know he's not really we're not we don't, we don't seem to have that it's hard to quantify but whatever it is that I feel whatever fear, fear that I had that he wasn't performing um it's kind of gone now. You know, I feel like he's more or less back and he's on form and it's going to take some sort of injury or some sort of illness greater than that of COVID to really uh, throw him off. So I'm going to hope that, I really hope that the, the, the break, you know, the, the isolation doesn't take too much out of him and he comes back, you know, just rested and like ready to go. And I think he's the kind of guy who will approach it that way. Yeah, as long as he's not out with leprosy, I guess, then we can keep our hopes high. <laughs> yeah, um, fingers crossed. I, I feel like he's better. I, maybe I'm just high on the, the Tatum and Brown train, but La Bird. I know you're a big Tatum fan. Like, do you, do you feel like he's been better than he ever has been in, in the small sample size we've seen so far this season? I mean, he was towards the end of the regular season in the bubble. He was playing at an extremely high level. And then, I mean, we talked about in the playoffs, he started to get 
more in tune with um, actually being like a you know dis- distributing a bit. He I think he averaged six assists in his last twelve playoff games. So we're starting to see a little bit more of that. Let's see over that. I'm um, just looking at stats and what he actually won player of the week for. So he averaged uh, real quick. Looks like thirty three points, five rebounds, four uh, only two point seven assists. So. His assists were actually down that week, but, you know, he was just shooting likes out 50% from three and from field goal uh, percentage. You know, he's playing extremely high level. I think as we kind of talked about it before, but as he gets more double teams, he'll probably start to look for other people around him and get more assists. Just real quickly on the COVID stuff, I don't want to under, you know, under, you know, (laughs) we talked about, you know, COVID not being necessarily the most serious sickness. You know, I, I think a lot of us have known folks out here who've gotten pretty significantly sick. Luckily, it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't seem like the NBA players have. I was just listening to Brian Windhorse talk about this, and he was saying that mm-hmm. he talked to one uh, team, he did not instantly, he didn't see which team it was, where they believe that maybe the entire team has already had COVID. So it's pretty much been spreading rapidly throughout the NBA, maybe pre-bubble, during the bubble, after the bubble, I don't know, but it sounds like, you know, he, he was saying that it, it sounds like maybe only, you know, hundreds of players have already had, or over 100 players have already had COVID at this point. And luckily, because they're peak athletes, maybe they're not experiencing symptoms. I, it's, it's tough to talk about. I'd rather just talk about basketball because, like, you know, it's obviously a, out here, it's a political thing. And we have quite a few listeners who might just be completely in denial about COVID. So it's tough to talk about. Mm-hmm. My main thing is just, you know, when he got it, I'm just like, you know, I hope this doesn't cause long-term effects. I have the same reaction when smart got it because we heard that it can cause respiratory problems long-term and we won't know that right away. That won't be something we will know right away. So it sucks to see a 22 year old get it. And hopefully it doesn't impact his long-term career. Just cross my fingers because the guy is playing at an MVP level so far, I think. It's just the thing is though, like if it's, it's not a bowler, right? Like if it was, we wouldn't be playing. Right. So we are playing. So it's just sort of, to me, it's just sort of the, that's the risk we've all kind of, I guess, it almost feels like some sort of grand contract that we've all agreed to accept the risk that this might happen to a player. And and look, there might be a player that gets seriously, seriously ill with it. Maybe, they, maybe, they, maybe, if, maybe that's the most likely thing to happen, but we've kind of, like, it just feels like everyone's agreed to assume the risk. Um, notwithstanding the hand-wringing that I, I do see from, from some sections of Twitter. Um, it's a bad disease, but it's, it's you know, clearly not considered serious enough that you can't risk... You, it's clearly not considered serious enough that you can't show up and do your job, right? Yep. For certain jobs, you know? And I'll say so, I'm, I'm more optimistic now than I was when I when they initially announced it. I mean, I was pretty bummed out. I think we were going to record a podcast. <laughs> I just said I couldn't can't do it. I'm pretty bummed out about the Tatum thing. But part, yeah. partially, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit better because I'm realizing that, I mean, at first it sounded like half our team was sick and that's why they were canceling the games, but it's actually, it's more of a contact tracing thing. So Time Lord and Tatum have it, and then they're just trying to prevent others from getting it. So, you know, we might have basketball right around the corner at first, you know, I was talking to Scott, Scott, a buddy of mine that I used to do on my podcast and he's like full doom and gloom. He's like, the league's over. He's like, this is the end of the NBA they're going to cancel the whole season. And so, you know, that's, there's a very, there's a big spectrum of how fans have been reacting to this right now. I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic. I actually think maybe it's a good thing that they're postponing all these games because we get to see Tatum play these games eventually. 
But yeah, at first I was pretty, pretty yeah. damn bummed out. And you'd have to think like vaccines are going to become a thing sooner or later. And I know that's a whole nother political topic, particularly you know, in the US and whatnot. But you'd think the NBA, like if they had all this money at stake and these teams had all this money at stake and all this money that they're losing, the second they can get their hands on on vaccines, then it's not like they don't have the money to buy it. They're going to they're going to ship a big crate over it, inject it straight into Tatum's you know veins and push him out there and be like, all right, we're sweet now. And you think every NBA team would handle that. So, you know, it might be it might be a non-event for players and staff members in a few months time but we're sort of in the great unknown we're past the panic stage and we're more yeah. just in like the limbo of like when's this going to end so yeah fingers crossed it's not too much longer yep yep i agree and yeah you mentioned the spectrum there and there's no wrong end of the spectrum to be on because no one really including you know scientists at the forefront of this no one knows like a hundred percent of what's going on here or potentially even 50 percent of what's going on here so it's okay to feel however you might feel about it, I suppose, whether you're worried or, uh, you know, a little bit more complacent or whatever it may be. We just don't know what the long-term effects are. Um, but we are going to keep rolling with the, the the better side of news here as part of uh, Celtics fan therapy. And that is that somehow by default, I guess, the Celtics are the number one seed in the East. It turns out mm-hmm. if you can't play any games and you can't lose any games <laughs> and you end up being the first seed... Um, I, I, that's all I've got here. So I'm just going to do around the room here, talk about how good it feels to be the first seed. I really, I mean, it's just, like I said, it's happened by default, but uh, here we are, number one seed in the East. Um, I guess I could ask, like, did any of you expect that we would be top of the of the ladder at any point in the season or this early in the season? I guess early in the season, you know, like you got teams like the Magic and Atlanta. Remember when Atlanta looked really good for about like, you know, two hours? Um, they're going back <laughs> down to earth. I think it's going to just happen throughout the season. It's, I don't think you're going to have a runaway number one seed. It worries me how good Philly's looking, um, but let's not talk about that. Um, I would say I'm not, I am pretty surprised considering where we were maybe 10 days, two weeks ago or thereabouts. But um, yeah, no, it's good. We've shown that we're definitely still a top seed in the East. Um, and uh, yeah, and the first seed is awesome, obviously. Yep, the Celtics and the Lakers being at the top of their respective conferences feels right in a world that's gone insane. It's like yeah, <laughs> it's a natural state of things. <laughs> a great anchor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it doesn't even feel like we've played really well at all yet. Um, we've had some good stretches inside games, but overall, we haven't played great. It felt like I, you know, I tend to tend to try and take ten and twenty game blocks, and I guess we're at a, a ten game block right now, and it's. The results are, like, I think, I don't know what our points differential is right now, but it's not great. So I think we've probably been slightly lucky to get the record that we have, but then, um, you know, then our our points differential is probably a bit artificially deflated by some of those blowout victories turning into tight games, like the Toronto game. And um, So am I surprised about where we're at? Yeah, a little bit. I thought we, I didn't kind of like how we looked in the preseason in the first couple games, but we've just eked eked out the wins and they all count and I expect we will get better as the season progresses and um, and you know a few players have been significantly better than I've expected so um, so that's great that that bodes well for future improvement in our record is Jalen Brown one of those players who have greatly exceeded expectations Joe yeah he's he's exceeded expectations for sure yeah um, I I think that's something also like he's not going to keep shooting it from mid range like he is like that's going to fall off. But, um, but he's a threat there and that's really good for the postseason because you know, that the ability to, to, to score from that area of the court is incredibly important. 
Um, that's what keeps the that's what keeps the scoreboard ticking over. Um, Jalen Brown may become the Michael Bevan of uh, of the Celtics <laughs> of the Celtics batting lineup. Just expose La Bird to his first obscure Australian cricket reference. Well, I know, I know. <laughs> Sorry about, about that. All about cricket. <laughs> all about Michael Bevan. Uh, well, yeah. So I have heard and seen a lot of people talking about how inevitably the, the Jalen Brown, especially mid-range shooting percentage, will will drop off. Segways into the next good news item. That is that Campbell Walker is basically back. Jared Rice tweeted out a Brad Stevens quote. Uh, Stevens notes that Walker looks better than he did arriving to training camp last year after playing in China at the FIBA Games and then the ramp up to the bubble. Walker hasn't had pain in his knee in weeks to months per Brad Stevens. Is this just the Celtics inflating his trade value? <laughs> Is there any truth to this? How does this make all of you guys feel? Uh, Labbird, thoughts on Kemba Walker's return? Just so I, I posted about this on on Reddit because I thought it was it's interesting because when you know right around late November I had posted on there saying how concerned are you about Kemba's knee and it was surprising there were so many fans that didn't even seem to be aware that there was a knee issue they didn't realize that he was playing through pain in the playoffs it just kind of was like a non-story for the most part I was surprised at how little people were reacting to it then flash forward about a week and they announced he's going to miss the early part of the season. And now suddenly it was like full on, you know, doomsday. People were like, oh, Kemba's career's over. And, you know, we've had conversations about his trade value. It's not that I necessarily want to get rid of him, but, you know, just thinking about big picture. And it's been interesting to see people acting like, oh, you can't even get like a late first for Kemba at this point, as if he's just like complete trash. The guy at the very least is going to be a 20 point scorer, even if he is playing through pain. So if he's saying, you know, he said that he wasn't going to come back until he felt 100%. And they're saying he hasn't had any pain since he's come back. Um, it's encouraging. Sounds like he'll probably be great again. I mean, he should probably play at a very high level at the very least. Even when he had pain, he was still averaging twenty points in the playoffs. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't uh, you know a superstar or anything. But as a third option to have him step back into this roster with the development that Tatum mm-hmm. and Brown have made, it'd be great. So definitely looking forward to it. And I guess maybe we can talk about it a bit after you know what that does mean for whether or not he's tradable. <laughs> But at the short term, it's just like, yeah, this is great. That means that it's another guy. Maybe that pushes Smart to the bench, which helps our bench quite a bit. It's just, you know, it makes our strong team even potentially stronger. So, yeah, looking forward yeah. to it. He's, 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 he's definitely the clear-cut third option now, too. I remember last season, it was like, you know, is he the first? Is he the second? Is he this? Is that? But no, it's now very clearly you've got Tatum first, you've got Brown second, you've got Kemba third. So, yeah. um, I think that'll probably help the offense, to be fair. Uh, yeah, and you're right. He's, he averages 20 points. So, that's going to be completely welcome. Uh, we do need somebody to put some pressure on Peyton, Peyton Pritchard. We can't have him being too comfortable in his in his starring <laughs> role. So, hopefully, that'll, um, that'll uh, I, I get some more motivation up him. But um, I get not to, like, be a, a pessimist or anything, but, like, I I think the thing this team really needs more than anything is some defense and I don't think Kemba's really going to help that out too much but if it, you're right if it does push Smart back to the bench and we get a little bit more sturdiness probably in that second unit um, then that will certainly help too so yeah I, I, I'm very much looking forward to him coming back um, I don't believe a word of it <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for this <laughs> sorry proceed <laughs> uh, it's just I could be wrong right but I'm probably not uh, is, is uh, the reality is is that you know Kimber is what is he thirty now? You know he's he's probably going to be limited relative to what he was in his prime going forward for the rest of his career. It's still going to be a useful player. Happy to have him on the Celtics. He won't be tradable to the last year of his contract. Um, for, like we're we're not going to be giving up 
any kind of asset to get off his money, I don't think, because I don't know that we have any other... I think we'd be stuffed for cap space anyway. Um, and in the and especially if we use the TPE, right? Like, that's going to... You know, presumably we use the traded player exception for somebody who does actually, for the purpose of being able to tie up our cap space, right? Like, we want to use it on somebody who's, who's, who's kind of expensive. So... Um, yeah, I'm I'm relaxed about it, but I'm I'm incredibly skeptical that that uh, I'm incredibly skeptical that Kim is going to be able to contribute to the level that he has in pre- previous years. Has they have they ever actually confirmed what the condition is? I know we've read it's like some form of tendonitis, so he's potentially got bone on bone on his knee, which is obviously not great, which is causing the pain. Um, but you know he's done some stem stem cell therapy, and maybe he's feeling better. I think it's something that he's going to have to manage long-term. So maybe it is something where we'll have to manage his back-to-backs. But I, I don't necessarily agree with you, Joe, on the idea that you can't get value for him. I mean, it seems maybe silly now as we see Gordon Hayward tearing it up in Charlotte, but it wasn't long ago that people were like, wow, someone's willing to give him $120 million. We, I mean, in this league, a player like Kemba, even with potential soreness, is a value. I mean, Gordon Hayward continues to have soreness as well. We've, you know, not long ago, listened, I've read articles about him complaining about soreness that he's dealing with, with his pretty catastrophic injury. So, you know, if, if he's got value, then I would think that Kemba probably has some value too. So if we did look towards trading him, I don't think it would be that hard to get rid of him um, and get some kind of value back. But at the moment, it's just, you know, excited to see him play. What's the threshold then for you guys? Like Kemba Walker comes back. How, like how awesome does he have to be to for you to not want to trade him and how terrible does he have to be for you to want to trade him and 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 those kind of things kind of feed into the other one not happening if you know what i mean like if he's that terrible of course we want to trade him but we won't be able to trade him for much do you know what i mean so like i guess how good does he need to be for you to accept him back into our lives as celtics fans oh he doesn't have to be he has to be you know a slightly above replacement level player really like it Good for we're we're in we're in the Good position ball. right where we can't we we capped out right like we've got two max players uh, in Brown and Tatum and um, we're not really able to do much right so just relax Kimber is what he is he's he's gonna in my view gonna be limited um, if we can trade him for positive value well great um, let's we'll probably wind up wanting to do that but if we can't I'm definitely not interested in in a salary dump. Um, you know, I'm not interested in taking on negative assets just to get off, just to get off him or giving up assets. No way. He's still, he's still, you know, if he's an above replacement level player, then he's worth it to us. Yeah. I certainly wouldn't get rid of him for the sake of getting rid of him. I mean, this is the kind of thing that we always talk about. People never want to trade a player when he's playing well. They want to trade him when yeah. he's not playing well. Mm. So I do think that he's probably going to come back and maybe surprise Joe and still be a 20-point sc- score, at least initially. Oh, that <laughs> but, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. I just don't see the longevity. I just, yeah. We've seen it before. When guys start getting hurt like this, like, I mean, Baron Davis, right? Like, just you, you can pick any player that this is the most likely path. The most likely thing is he's past his prime and he's going to slowly decline. And still be an above replacement level player for the majority of his contract. Yeah, it's so he'll have a negative value contract, but we aren't in the position where we get to choose, right? Like we we, we can't just we can't go find an above replacement level player, right? So and so the, the fact that you know when we signed him, he was expected to be the number one option or, or thereabouts, and now coming back, you know, potentially with um, 
one and a half knees, one and a half healthy knees. Uh, but the third option, that's the expectation on him. Does that does that balance things out at all? It may do, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I think it means it means that he's got to he's got to be a better shooter, you know? Like because I wonder whether his shot is more of a like a like he loves that mid-range, you know, off the dra- off the screen, right? Like that mid-range pull-up off the screen. Um, maybe he won't get the same volume of looks and that might affect his shooting percentages. But um, as long as he can hit an open shot, he's he's um, he's going to be able to fill a role. I've taken some heat for this last year, but if we were talking about a player, if we weren't, if you just ignored his contract, it's almost like Kemba's best role would be like a microwave off the bench. Yeah. Like yeah, you, know, you can absolutely. have the defensive smart. I mean, especially as when we had Hayward, Hayward on a team, that was something I was always advocating for. I'm like, I would have Hayward have a bigger role and have Kemba come off the bench as a microwave, but it seems ridiculous if he's making that kind of money. So, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at other teams like Orlando who lost Fultz and they're still in the playoff picture. Is that a team that maybe would try to go for Kemba and give up something? I'm not saying we get like a top five pick for him, but you know, if there's a, a package of players that strengthen our bench or, you know, fit more in line with the kind of skill set we need around Tatum and Brown as they're developing, then maybe we do that. But yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, we still have many Celtics fans who will hear this and just think it's out, outright insane that we want to trade Kemba because he's an all-star. So it's tough to even talk about that. I was a Reddit user on the the post for Kemba's comeback, uh, Evil Potato one one two one, who wrote the shitty thing about knees is that it might not matter that he hasn't been having knee pain in the last couple of months. Knee pain has a tendency to keep coming back when it's something that uh, that has been around for this long. So, uh, as a, a three time ACL surgery person myself, obviously I'm not an elite athlete, but I can tell you the, the pain sticks around for sure, particularly if you try and uh, run around on the basketball court for a bit. Obviously, he's getting much better treatment. Obviously, he's uh, a way better put-together human being than me, so <laughs> not very comparable uh, circumstances there. But knee pain, it, it is uh, one of those, I guess, more tedious kinds of injuries that can rear its ugly head in, um, uh, in very unfortunate times, I suppose. Um, but let's move on to what our rivals are up to. And should we start with the Brooklyn Nets? Is there anything interesting going on with the Brooklyn Nets that you guys would like to discuss? Does anyone mm. want to take this one? Oh, mm. oh. yeah. <laughs> Is everyone got an opinion on Jared Allen's afro? Is that the topic we should start with? Love no, it. I think we can probably do better than that. Holds a comb. <laughs> Once I start, start on this, I may not stop for some time. Go for it, Joe. Go for it, Joe. Kick him. Kick him while he's down. I'm going to sit back him. and listen to this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I am sick and tired of people treating Kyrie Irving and appraising him like he's an adult, okay? <laughs> right? Like, people will be like, oh, Kyrie, look, what's more important is that he fed the homeless and da 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 It's great that he did. Children are capable of acts of generosity. What children aren't capable of is consistently assuming the responsibilities of an adult. Kyrie Irving is not capable of consistently assuming the responsibilities of an adult. He's an idiot. He's an absolute idiot. There's, there's, you know, you can be as kind as you want, but if you're not an adult, you're not an adult. And and people, and as a result, it means that his attempts at advocacy are severely hamstrung. Right? He is not a serious person. He's a flat earther who's tr- now trying to transform himself to be some sort of community organizer, and he just isn't credible. You don't. You've got to do the professionalism bit, right? in order to have credibility in the activism bit. End mm-hmm. rant. Yeah. 
That's great. Does anyone like wonder? You know, he chose to set out the to sit out the bubble, right? And we all assume that was probably for like a. I don't. Know, I can't remember what his stance was. Whether it was whether it was COVID reasons or political reasons or whatever. Um, does anyone think he probably just went to some island and just was just you know partying and doing all that <laughs> shit? You know, while his team probably could have really used him. Because like, let's. I'll take my foot off his throat for one second. He was really really good. Like in the games he's played so far, like he torched us. Him and Durant torched us. And I was he like, oh, shit. This is we're gonna have to we're gonna have to see this face. This stupid fucking immature man teenager face kind of laughing at us burning his sage around td garden all this other wank oh my god um but no it, it does i think there's a post on uh, at the top of the celtics right at the moment and it just talks about how how awesome it is to see that everyone else is now kind of just really we're now sure he's a total dickhead like it's 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 completely um it's completely indisputable like he was completely unprofessional in his second year with the celtics the way he quit on us in the playoffs and the way that he left to the point where i didn't care that we were losing this perennial all-star champion point guard i couldn't i was so glad that he for him to be gone um and now and, and now it, it, he's just made such an ass of himself like steve nash clearly can't stand the dude i think he like accepts him because of his skill set and that's it but like you can tell nash is just like not having a bar of him he would have him on the bench even if he ever does come back he may even retire who who the hell knows what's going to happen and on joe's point earlier yeah he's 100 percent right you can be a philanthropist and a total unprofessional asshole at the same time. Yeah. It's a tax it's deduction. No, it's no, it's, they're not mutually exclusive, okay? And he's a prime example of that. Yeah. So, that first of all, that post that you're referring to was posted to Celtic Credit by Pornelius Fudge uh, saying, I know we are past this. However, it still warms my heart to see fans across the league are finally beginning to see how much of a selfish, quote, asshat Kyrie Irving is. Um, and just in case you've been living under a rock, uh, listener, and you're not sure what's going on. Kyrie Irving has set out the last few games for personal reasons, and then video footage surfaced of him partying in what turned out to be New Jersey. It was initially, I don't want to say reported, but stated by a Reddit user that it was in Toronto. Turned out it was in New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, For what looks to be his sister's Asia Irving's 30th birthday party, and then Reddit detectives got on board and figured it all out, and it turns out her... 30th birthday basically today and that all the sort of facts and suspicions lined up for this to have been recent footage so it clearly looks like Kyrie Irving has been out partying while he is not with his team for quote-unquote personal reasons and you know his team is is losing without his contribution except today thank god they beat the Denver Nuggets fuck you Denver Nuggets (laughs) um so that's what's going on and and Woj tweeted out today sources with at Malika Andrews as the NBA is expecting to begin examining online videos circulating of a maskless Kyrie Irving at a family birthday party there's no belief that he will return to the Brooklyn Nets lineup this week um, so then like speculation is kind of swirling now that, you know, what's, what's going on with Kyrie Irving, you know, obviously like we know, I don't want to, I want to be careful to, to tread lightly and be sensitive around mental illness mm-hmm. you know, it's 2021 and, and, um, uh, one should be careful about what they say because there's a lot of people out there who, um, who are sensitive to all kinds of different things. But, so I don't want to throw the term crazy out there too lightly, but like from the fan perspective, we all know is, is a little bit. Is a little bit crazy, right? And therefore, there's some speculation that like this could lead to his inevitable retirement. Like, do you guys think there's anything to that, or do you think he's going to come back and join the Nets eventually? I mean, yeah, <laughs> a lot, a lot could happen with Kyrie. You can't rule anything out. I've, you know, I've been, I've played devil's advocate with Kyrie quite a bit in the past. Like, I, I don't, I don't necessarily blame him at least exclusively for what happened in 2018. I've said that quite a bit. 
there was a lot that was wrong with that off that roster, but I definitely don't miss that guy. I mean, he was, he's a head case. He's, you know, a straight on conspiracy theory, flat earth, you know, wacko. I mean, the, the dude's out there. And so, yeah, I agree. With, I agree with Joe's points about how, you know, you have to display level of professionalism. If you're going to be putting yourself in that position to be a voice of a generation. Um, the, listen, I mean, the ba- the main thing with this is, you're right. You're right, Ben. You have to you have to be careful because maybe maybe there's an excuse here. Maybe there's an excuse where he has taken a leave for mental health. There's a lot of people who are struggling in this country for a variety of reasons right now, and maybe this is a lot for Kyrie to take in. Maybe he had his entire crew quarantined for two weeks before they all got in there and they all tested beforehand, and this was all on the up and up. Although it did look like a lot of people in there breaking. Yeah. You know. Do, do we think his did we the lose got him? I think the storm may have got him. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like we lost La Bird there. So Joe, Joe's going to pick up the slack here. Look, I'm not so uncomfortable about talking around this. I, I look, man. I think the reflex to to tread lightly around mental health issues here with with Kyrie Irving, frankly, is enabling. He doesn't have mental health issues, guys, any more than any of us do. Maybe he does, but like, <laughs> I mean, some point, like, it, just take the simplest explanation, right? The simplest explanation is that the guy is is being a petulant child and just wanting like to he's do what he dick. wants. Yeah, you know, yeah. and 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 look, I mean. It, 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 sometimes it sounds to me, it, it sounds like grasping at straws. Like these people who are saying that you know the, that the uh, that the guy, the people did the raid on the Capitol Hill were antifa plants. You know, at some <laughs> at some point you just go say, well, what do you really think? And what do I really think is I've seen selfish people before, and Kyrie Irving's one of them. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think he wouldn't pass up the opportunity. I think it would be on brand for him too to say, "Look, I can't play. I have mental health issues. I take this really seriously. I have to go and you know find myself and level myself out and get all zen and whatnot." <laughs> I think he would call. jump all over that opportunity if it yeah. was if if that's what was going on. I don't think. Yeah, you're right, Joe. I don't think anything's going on at all. He might be a little, you know, he definitely is a little bit nuts, but. Yeah, I think it's the petulance and the unprofessionalism and just the the overall, you know, makeup of his of his intellect that's that's influencing this, not any kind of, you know, mental illness. It's a character flaw. Like it like character flaws aren't mental illness, guys. Like I think we have to be a little more strident about some of the stuff. Anyway. Well, I mean, the league does have a really healthy climate and acceptance when it comes to openness around mental health issues, which goes back to what you were saying, Jackson. Like, if if this were a concern for him, I feel like the NBA community as a whole are very open to to hearing Mm. that, you know, that from Kyrie Irving. But instead, we hear nothing. Steve Nash hears nothing. The Brooklyn Nets hear nothing. And we're just seeing really the same sort of shit repeated time and time again. Although I think he he really has sort of uh, lifted it up a notch in terms of like the the detrimental effects to his team. Like this is this is insane. Like mm. he's just he's buggered off, provided no reason, and then pops up on the internet partying like with a huge group of people with no mask on during a fucking pandemic. It's it's absolutely insane. But you know. It, Bringing it back to Celtics fan therapy, it's good to see this happening to another team. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm putting it out there. It's so nice it's not our guy. Uh, yeah. 
Um, and it's just a Friday, all right. That's for sure. Yeah, it is absolutely. That's the, that's the right word for it. Just an update from Larbird power outage. He's troubleshooting some internet issues, and uh, he's advised to push on without him. But we're hoping hoping that he'll rejoin us soon. So um, stay tuned for that. Uh, Reddit user Defantum Menace Liker controversial uh wrote i agree with all this but let's chill with this until the celtics beat him at least once he cooks us every time he manages to suit up which which is true like the dude can ball <laughs> well, once, he's insane like once, yeah. once. Yeah. No, but like, like back to the Cavs days as well when it was like he was torching marcus smart and avery bradley like the, the dude sure. has consistently torched us so I'm, I'm still waiting you know for that one day where we can actually defeat him on the basketball court he is very, very, very good at basketball and is, for all his sins, is incredibly entertaining to watch. Yeah, and when he's playing for, or in this case, not playing for an opposing team, kind of entertaining. It's like that Michael Jackson popcorn gif a little bit, right? Like it is, you know, especially when there's no Celtics games on. Like, yeah, it's, it's entertaining. It's good, good to see. <laughs> uh, move on to another rival here. The Sixers might be the most intimidating Eastern Conference team at the moment. They did mess up the other day, though activating an injured player to avoid cancellation of a game that they definitely were going to lose, which I just think is hilariously typical of the Sixers that they they can't even postpone a game properly. You know what I mean? Like, is there anything to that? Um, yeah, I, I still think they've gotten their leaps and bounds better than what they were. I, sure. I've, other than maybe about, I don't know, a couple months last season when I think they were 3-0 up on us on the regular season series. And I was like, okay, this is a bad matchup for us. I've never really been scared of them because I just thought Brett Brown just didn't have a clue what he was doing. That The, the front office was farcical at the best of times, but they've got a, a GM that knows what he's doing. They've got a coach who can motivate players and get players playing together. Um, and although they're uh, they're way, way, way behind us in the number two seed, um, they still have, they've got more wins now than I think anyone. They're equal with the Lakers on eight wins. So I think we'll be seeing them a lot lately. But um, yeah, I mean, it's still fun that they, that they, you know, tried to postpone a game, couldn't postpone a game, ended up playing, you know, um, you know, rookies, to be fair, that played actually quite well, but um, yeah, yeah, no, I, uh, I'm still always going to laugh at the Sixers. I still hate the Sixers, regardless <laughs> of what they're about. Mm. So, yeah, any any opportunity to laugh at them, I will take it. Don't you worry. What about the Raptors, Joe? I know you in particular. That's a, a franchise that you respect. I think you know, especially compared to the Sixers, like we all kind of respect the Raptors. Mm. They're more of a well-run mm. organization, but they've been terrible. What are your thoughts on on those guys? I am a Raptophile, and. Um, <laughs> Like I, I, I still expect that they'll be back. Um, Siakam's shown some signs of life recently. Um, Not in the I clutch. just like well, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, look that that I think they're knocking on the door. I think I would I would uh, write them off at your own peril, guys. That's still uh, a squad full of players that have contributed at a very high level in in very important games, and I don't think that's gone anywhere. Um, are they the same team that won the won the finals? No. Are they even the same team that took us to seven games? Not quite. But that to me, I still, oh, mate, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, there's always one team that will start 
really, really badly and will just go on a tear halfway through the totally. season and like storm their way into the playoffs. And that could be the Raptors. I'm trying to find it. I'm not going to be able to, so I won't dwell on it too long, but I'm quite certain about four, three, four years ago, maybe it's when Kawhi just got there. They said, who's going to be the worst team in the NBA in like four or five years time? And I just said the Raptors, just a feeling. Um, and again, I wish I could find this 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 just comment because it's probably, yeah, that's all I said. I got downvoted into absolute fucking Hades for it, but I don't give a shit. Uh, I feel like I'm being justified <laughs> at least at the moment but um yeah no i do agree with joe i think there's there's too much dog in that team there's too much um they can get that no one believes in a sort of attitude and they could just very quietly just go from like the the, the bottom seed you know into the seventh and then be potential like real pain in the ass in the first round of the playoffs for somebody um but yeah it, I, I feel bad ultimately for aaron baines yeah, he's a real victim here. Well, you yeah. guys are very, very mature in your takes. I, I choose to to take the stance that we absolutely beat them down into the shadow realm in Game Seven of the playoffs last year, and they'll they'll never mm. be the same same team again. That's that's what I'm thinking as I as I blissfully fall asleep at night. Uh, Lightbird Bird thirty three, uh, welcome welcome back. Power's back on in in Seattle there, mate. Power's flickering. I was about to <laughs> listen. I was I was in the process of playing devil's advocate for Kyrie and my power went out. So I'm just going to skip that whole thing. Yeah. Apparently that's the world a, that's does a not want me to defend. Not do that. Yeah. <laughs> You've been <laughs> I got smited for being devil's advocate. It does seem that way. Uh, all right. Well, look, you've missed some talk on the Sixers and the Raptors, but we're going to move on. Uh, look, guys, in this time of no games and very little content, I'm curious to hear your, like, what are your go-to Celtics guilty pleasures maybe guilty pleasures isn't the right term there but like your favorite celtics rewind to indulge in i actually made a post to celtics reddit right before recording this and it's copped a couple of upvotes but no comments so nothing to glean from the uh the community <laughs> there but um uh la bird you've just rejoined the call let's let's start with you what's your what's your favorite celtics rewind moment to, to dig up in in times like these well, I was thinking about this, and you know, I think the easy answer is seeing them win the 2008 championship was clearly the most you know gratifying moment as a Celtic. Oh fan, yeah, that, that time, I, yeah, <laughs> that was pretty clear. But uh, actually, going back, I remember being a kid. Uh, I was maybe like you know, I was a little kid, but my dad took me to a sports bar in Florida. We lived in Florida temporarily, and we were watching the 1991 playoffs. And, you know, I, I loved Larry Bird already, but this was one of the first times that I really remember watching him clearly because I was a little too young during the 80s. So he was it was up against the Pacers, against Chuck, Chuck Person and Reggie Miller. Chuck Person was a complete asshole. Everyone hated him. And it was the famous game, uh, game five, deciding game of the 91 playoffs when Bird, you know, he, he was he was a little bit washed up at this point, I guess. He had spent the night in traction. You know, he, he tripped and hit his head on the on the floor. Everyone thought it was over. We were going to lose the game. And then he came back heroically and had 32 points. And that that was probably the biggest moment for me as a young Celtic fan, watching the great one perform as the great one at a point in time where I could kind of really understand what was going on. Because when I was in, in the 80s, I was a very small child. And watching him, it was like, oh, so wait, he, he misses shots sometimes? That happens? <laughs> so being able to see him as a... As a, l- a little bit more aware, I mean, that was... They did such a great job with that broadcast, too. I mean, it really just, like, painted the picture of this guy being a hero. So every once in a while, I find myself going back to watch those clips and, and, yeah. and really just, like, appreciating yeah. the greatness of Bird. Nice. Um, La, I've, I've gone about this ad nauseum, but you're relatively new around here. So my fandom of the Celtics really only extends, like, eight, nine years or thereabouts. I like to call it, like, just, just at the end of the KG Crucial Pierce period. Era, Crucial Celtics Right at the start period. of the season. I've basically been on board since, since Stevens, like, all in. Um, <laughs> for me, 
not so much a guilty pleasure because I still I, there's still so much old Celtics content that I can go back and watch like games I've never heard of or players of like oh shit who's that guy so I like to be, discover that every now and then but like the peak of my Celtics fandom I swear was probably the 17-18 the playoff run where Kyrie was out Gordon was out the obituaries were written instantly uh, <laughs> and we saw we saw Jalen Brown ball out we saw uh, Jason Tatum ball out. We saw Terry Rozier scary have Terry. his moment in the scary. Yeah, he had a scary Terry. Had the t-shirts, and I've I still got that. Shirt. That all it all culminates in the confetti game. I can watch the fourth <laughs> quarter of that game and overtime like forever because it's so funny. It's so funny and so cool. And that was that's and that was just that was when the series was over. Too. We were two 0 up. We went there. They thought they'd won. They didn't. They cleaned up the fucking court for like fifteen minutes, and then they lo- lost the game on like a stupid turnover that we just punished them for. And it was just. So, so satisfying, and it makes me so smug when I watch it. And, yeah, I, I, I can't get enough of that game. <laughs> Remember, that reminds me of the uh, Scary Terry. Um, remember the, the, the hoodies, the Scary Terry hoodies going? He had the one with the confetti. That was a pretty cool one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> my, my, little, my little go-to, um, you got, I, I can't see you guys seeing this, but can you see what I'm We can see at? you, yeah. Just, so, Joe's just sat down with, like, a little manila envelope. Like, and uh, and here is uh, I don't know if you can read that, but it says <laughs> I know I can't, but it's I know a ticket what it is. to a Celtics game. <laughs> yeah, a, yeah, I know what yeah. this is. La Bird might not round four, game three at the TD Bank North Garden, which is otherwise known as Game Six of the 2008 NBA Finals. So oh god, yeah, wow. yeah. So that I'm was so jealous of you. <laughs> that was me approximately what twelve and a half years ago. Holy mackerel, was that long? Twelve and a <laughs> yeah. half years, man. Um, that is insane. Is there a so, moment from the? I hesitate to ask because it's the you know the moment where they won the championship is presumably like the moment from the game that you remember. But is there maybe like a lesser recognized moment from that game? Maybe that didn't come across on the on the broadcast that that stands out to you, Joe? Um, there's a few things. I was actually I was watching the first quarter of it. There's there's a couple of the biggest memory I have of the game um, is uh, or the clearest memory I have. KG had this putback kind of layup it was a it was he um it was a weird one it was like he caught it way above the square and he got fouled and he threw it at the backboard and he banks it in um i remember that because i was sort of if if he was looking if the direction that kg was or the the hoop was facing at 12 o'clock um i guess i was at about 11 o'clock in the nosebleeds there so i remember that really well i remember um paul pierce kind of dribbling across the lane and hitting posey for a handoff three and I remember Kobe was red hot to start that game, like red, red, red hot. Um, like it just looked like he would never miss, you know. Like you can't believe it when you when you're seeing it. Um, and I do remember. Um, well, it's, it sort of gets a bit into a bit of a euphoric kind of blur. Um, I can remember Rondo making a steal and chucking it to Allen in the corner for three. Um, but yeah, the KG one is the the KG putback is definitely a crystal clear memory. And we all like everyone in our section. We all. St- KG was like roaring on the ground and you know, you, you, you kind of feel like you hit that shot, you know? So you stand <laughs> up and you cheer and you're like, to the roof. Yeah. You like know? you willed it in <laughs> yeah, along with yeah, you yeah. 18,000 other people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's man. awesome. Oh, you kind of helped us win I'm a sure, championship sure you, there, Joe. Is it, I'm sure you explained this before, Joe, but how did you get about, uh, did you just fly out specifically for the game or how'd that work out for you? Um, so, um, I was traveling. I sort of, I finished one of my degrees at uni and, um, and uh, I decided to go and work on a ski field in Canada, and um, and this was in 
2007, 2008. And uh, I was coming home and I was doing a little little bit of traveling around the around Canada and the States then. And my dad was like, oh, look, this is a bit of a once in a lifetime thing. Um, I'll awesome. help you. I'll help you buy a ticket. So it cost, cost, like I put in like 200 New Zealand and I think dad put in like 800, <laughs> which is like, thanks dad. Wow. Um, yeah, it was pretty awesome. It was, it was. That's awesome. It's, really cool. it's probably the, the best thing I've experienced in my life. And I, I say that seriously. You know, like I'm actually trying to think of a better experience, and I'm not sure I can. It was, it was great. So I've got some like newspapers and stuff. I, I tried to make sure I grabbed everything I, I could that was relevant. I was going to say the That's one awesome. other thing that I distinctly remember um, that you can hear on the broadcast is they sang, you know, the na 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 na, hey goodbye <laughs> now to the Lakers, and it was like it's not that loud on the TV broadcast, but it was loud in person, man. <laughs> We were rubbing it in Kobe's face. It was awesome. <laughs> That's great. Look, I don't, I don't think I or anyone ever can, can top that. That's insane. But the, it does seem like, you know, one's ideal or favorite rewind moments for the Celtics are games that you've been to. And in 2011, I was 23. So like March, April, 2011, 23. And I was just starting to make some some money for the first time in my life. And I remember sitting down backyard of the share house out in St. Peter's, Sydney, and looking at uh, flights to Boston via, like, I think I went via Korea in the end. Oh, uh, yeah. it was insane. <laughs> Stayed a night in, in Seoul on the way there. Uh, and, and, and basically, and tickets to Celtics games and accommodation through Couch Surfer, which is, like, free accommodation, just crashing yeah, in someone's wow. basement. I haven't, heard, I haven't heard that term in ages. Yeah. Couch and, and I... I realized that I could afford it and it was like quite close to the end of the regular season. And I was like, fuck it, I'm going to go next week. And just like bought a ticket, <laughs> stayed a night in, in Seoul, Korea, and then flew into New York and then changed and flew into Boston. First time I'd ever been to Boston and got to this guy's place in Somerville, which is like near Cambridge in Boston, not too far from the TD Garden. It was like, hey, dude, here's the little fold out couch in the basement. Uh, and I had, I had no money. I was buying like hot pockets from the service station, like just no money at all. I had like basically money for the flight and the game and that was it. Uh, but I ended up buying myself like a really good ticket and it was the Celtics versus the rookie John Wall Wizards. Yeah, I think it was their third last game of the season and got to see Ray Allen knock down a couple of threes, got to see Paul Pierce score a bunch of points and just like walking into TD Garden where it's just been this, like it's basically a TV show, like all those years of watching Celtics mm. games. And then one yeah. day you just like fly there and walk into TD Garden and it's like surreal. Um, so that was great. But I actually bought tickets for two other games. One was against the Knicks in TD Garden uh, a couple of days later. And one was in Washington where I flew there and also stayed in very dodgy accommodation and went to that game. But those were the last two games of the season. And for those games, despite all of my travels, Doc Rivers rested all of his starters. <laughs> so <laughs> I flew all that way. I saw. I think I saw Glenn Davis drop like 22 points to beat the Wizards in Washington. That was amazing. Uh, and didn't see another glimpse of, of Pierce, Ray Allen, or, or KG. And the other one, very quickly, in 2012, I went back, a bit older, a bit more money, and saw these amazing seats right on the baseline at TD Garden. And Paul Pierce has always been my favorite player. And I watched him drop 40 points on the Kyrie Irving-led Cleveland Cavaliers, like, right in front of my face. And it, he was, like, in his bag, like, shimmies, you know, double fake, turnaround jumpers, just, like, all the vintage Paul Pierce moves right in front of my face. And, like, some of them are online on YouTube that my wife recorded of me watching it. 
And it's actually a little bit embarrassing. I make these like weird sounds, like I'm completely out of my mind, like mm. experiencing this. It's like I'm like a Play child it. in a man's Play body. Play it. Get it on the yeah. podcast. I'll, Come I'll, on. I'll post them on the. I'll post them on the. I'll put them on the Reddit. Could you, for, I have uh, to say something. Real- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please go ahead. I, I have to say so because you guys were you talking about you know obviously all of us to a certain extent are outsiders from Boston. I mean, I, I was born in the area and went to games as a baby. But for the most part, I grew up in, you know, I lived in Florida for a bit, as I mentioned, and then Seattle. So early on, when I was a kid and in high school and middle school, being a Celtic fan was very unpopular. <laughs> I had friends who were Sonics fans, but the Sonics, the Celtics weren't good at the time. So most of the people that I knew were like just arguing with me that Ray Allen was better than Paul Pierce and me telling them, you wait, someday I'll prove to you that Pierce is better than Ray Allen. <laughs> but it was always like, I was like the, the weird kid that liked the Celtics. Nobody liked the Celtics in Seattle. So I have to say that one of my first games I went to coming back to visit my family in, in uh, Christmas time, it was a you know blizzard and we were able to actually take a train right into TD Garden, which was pretty awesome. And uh, the first reaction I had, it was kind of like an existential thing because I looked around and I saw, again, I was like a teenager. I looked around, I saw all these attractive girls wearing Celtic gear and it was just <laughs> weird to me. I was like, there's like attractive girls that like the Celtics. I, was like, I had never thought about that. I'm like, I had such a weirdo at home and here's all these attractive girls. And that was my, that was my main comment I want to say. Amazing. Yeah, they are. The, the dream <laughs> girl is out there, yeah. fellas. <laughs> she exists. Um, all right. Now we're running a little over time here. We're, we're going to wrap this up with the Reddit recap. So a couple of comments here. So there was a post from user said hot dog who wrote, once Kemba comes back, the Celtics are one move away from being a much better team than last season. Uh, Segway-ish, suddenly we're seeing lots of Harrison Barnes posts pop up all over Celtics Reddit uh, as a possible candidate to acquire using the TPE. Actually, one user, Aiden Rosé, I think posted no less than three times in a day or two, like various <laughs> Harrison Barnes-related posts. Also, submissions by another user, Oak John. Um Harrison Barnes isn't really a name that we've discussed. Obviously, there's been a lot of TPE discussion on this podcast and, and throughout Celtics fandom so far. Harrison Barnes is not a name that has come up. So I put to you guys, how do you feel about a potential Harrison Barnes acquisition? Is it even likely? I don't even know who he plays for. Is it the Mavericks still? <laughs> the Kings. <laughs> the Kings. Jeez, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't set my world on fire and that shows you how enthusiastic I'm about it. <laughs> All right, well, that's, that's Jackson's take. <laughs> yeah, I, it's not... I don't know. I think we've got to accept that we're not going to get like an A-plus player for this thing, most likely. We're going to be getting a B player. And um, does Harrison Barnes fit the bill as a B player? Yeah, I suppose he does. I don't see him as like a negative value contract. I just, I don't see him as a, um, I, I don't think of him as like a dog, right? Like I don't think of, of him as a guy that's massively competitive. And I guess maybe that's what I'm looking for. Like if you gave me a choice right now and I'm just going off total instinct and gut feel here, would I rather have like Al Horford back, you know, just use our TPE to get Al Horford or Harrison Barnes? I guess I'd, you know, even though Horford's stats haven't been that great this season or last, I guess I'd still rather have Horford. Maybe I'm just a bit sentimental about it. Um, Undo the past. <laughs> yeah, it's just, my, it's just a gut call. I just, I don't, I don't, like it, I'd have to think about it more. I could be persuaded though. If Ainge did it, I'm sure I'd come to accept it. <laughs> <laughs> a 
lab it. Yeah, I, I think um, we might have talked about it when we were initially talking about the TPE, Barnes as a possibility, because I do remember people mentioning Barnes as a potential target. And it was from the mindset of him filling in for, for uh, Hayward, kind of just like, you know, another small forward who might more naturally slot in as our fourth option. Um, so I, people have brought this up for a while. I, I do like the idea, and I do think that he's someone we could potentially acquire, because I don't think the Kings are necessarily mm. married to him. Yeah. Um, so if you were to give give them the TPE and picks, and maybe you throw in one or two of our young guys, I think it's someone that's someone who you could acquire with the TV, TPE. My whole thing is still, I still think it's way too early. I really want to see, I want to see us force minutes to Neesmith and Romeo Langford and see what they are, see what if Semes, you know, progression is legit before making a move like that. Because really, I mean, I know it might seem like a major long shot, especially with how Neesmith looked early. But if Langford comes in, I mean, Langford's a major wild card. I mean, that guy, we've seen it before. We saw it with Avery Bradley. We saw it with Terry Rozier where, that, where those guys got like a red shirt first season, did nothing their first year, and then showed up and were, were players. Mm. So that could be the same thing with Langford. And so do you really want to go after uh, someone like Barnes who makes quite a bit of money if you already have someone in the roster who can step up into that role. So I don't think that you need to make a move like that yet. I think you'd want to wait until more towards the trade deadline or even into next offseason. But I really want to see opportunities for us to get those guys minutes. That's That was one of the big bummers where we almost had... <laughs> I was starting to get really excited about the idea of our eight-man <laughs> roster where we're going to see Neesmith play 48 minutes. I just want to see what those guys are. And we have such a little sample size of them right now. So, yeah, I think we got to wait for, for something like Barnes because if one of those guys does step up, maybe it changes what you're looking for to get with a TP. Maybe you go in a completely different direction. I do agree with that. I just want to temper that against the, um, you know, we've been in a position where we've had multiple draft picks and all of a sudden you get to the draft and you can't trade them. And the same thing can happen with the TPE, you know, like the closer it gets to the expiration date of that TPE, the less leverage we have in negotiations. So, um I guess Celtics fans, I just want I, maybe Harrison Barnes is useful as an exemplar of the just the type of guy that you might get, even if it's not Harrison Barnes, and, and we could find a better fit. And I think gathering more information on the players we already have is is, is a prudent thing to do. But um, that's kind of the level of player that we're looking for. I think even at that position, though, at the small forward position, if you wanted to do something like last season where you had three small forwards, basically. Mm. Um, you, there's other opportunities to get other guys that might be more intriguing. Like we've mentioned, Demar Derozan. If the, Sp- mm. the Spurs right now are in, they're in, mm. they're in contention for the playoffs as of right now. But as we talked about earlier, it's a little early and things are weird. There's several teams like the Heat and Nuggets that are under 500. It's early, so the Spurs could fall out of the playoffs. And by midseason, he, he's in the final year of his deal. Are they going to be, you know, willing to just get something for him before he leaves? You know, does that maybe make more sense than something like Barnes? Maybe. I mean, there's all sorts of things where it's too early. You just have to see how this plays out. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Rosen looked good when I watched him against, who did they play? Timberwolves. He looked great against the Timberwolves. Um, but, um, yeah, it's not it, it's it's not the, the glamorous, glamorous name, but it, it uh, could be someone really good. Well, look, plenty of time in the meantime to showcase the sort of Celtics skeleton squad. Seems like most of the team is currently out with COVID or for contact tracing reasons. And while it appears the Orlando game is going to be postponed, at some point we're going to be able to field eight players and we're going to have to play some games and get a better look at guys like Neesmith and, uh, and, and Pritchard and whatnot. 
In the meantime, that's going to do it for this one. Thank you for listening. This is the point where I'd normally rattle off those upcoming games for the Celtics, but obviously that's not exactly clear at this time. Just expect more awesome Tatum and Brown games in the near future, sometime this year, right? Larbird33, Jackson, Joe, love your work, guys. Thanks again. Likewise, man. Thank you. Cheers, mate. All right, folks, we'll be back in a week. Until then, go Celtics. Peace. Peace.